We are the lucky ones who are diving into the mind of Christy Dina. She is a writer, designer, director of award-winning interactive and multi-art form projects such as games, virtual reality, TV, films and live performative projects and events. And she has a PhD in transmedia practice. Christy shared in her TEDx talk that transmedia is about reaching different people through their medium and art form of choice. By daring to design transmedia, she says, you are daring to design for a wider embrace. Hello, I'm Christy and I'm joining you from Boon Wurong country or Boon Wurong country. I've got to, got to roll the R I've learnt, which connects to my Scottish heritage. But, um, but obviously, this is a language that's been going longer. But yeah, it's Boon Wurong country that I'm uh, joining you from. These are the, the caretakers of the land, you know, have been and have, will always be. And it's important important um, to do this land acknowledgement because I'm here as a settler colonialist. It is their land to take care of and so it's important to recognise that in this present point in time there are colonialists on this land and they're not recognising the sovereignty of the caretakers of this land and so as an individual I can do that even if the the rest of the, the government isn't. Well Christy I Thank you so much for joining me here, firstly. And I thought that it might be a great place for us to start where reflecting on actually where it was that we met and going back to 2018 when you were hosting the final Forward Slash Story artist residency in Kenya, in Lamu, in the magical island of Lamu that we got a boat to get to and there's no (laughs) cars on the island and it was donkeys, just donkeys, 70, donkeys, yeah. lots of donkeys and <laughs> really friendly people, really welcoming, like community there. And you were initiating the Forward Slash Story Artist Residency, which uh, brought together storytellers and artists from all over the world. And I wanted to ask you, actually, something that I'm curious about. Yep. What have you learned from this experience of bringing artists together? Well, there's a lot. There's the learning about how to bring them together. Yeah, because that changed throughout the process. At the beginning, it was a bit top down in the sense of like, okay, define, you know, create the activities in which where we arrange tasks, you know, sort of for you to do. I mean, it was very sort of uh, cooperative in that. And we've definitely had a strong design of social time and play time and all that sort of stuff. But what was clear was uh, enabling people to connect and to, to connect in their with their creative methods. And so it went to the the, the next year after that, uh, after the first year, I sort of went, okay, well, how about everyone gives their own talks? You know, everyone talks about their practice. But understandably, people went to sort of a PowerPoint mode, you know, mm-hmm. would sort of show a pitch deck sometimes. Because that is usually yeah. how, what the experience is, talk. right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And this is what we're intervening with. It's like, no, 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 not the way you usually create. But it's understandable because people are like rushing and, and all that sort of thing. So even if people wanted to, I think the openness of the brief still meant that they could slip into, you know, the the, the modes that, that even maybe they don't even want to. So then I was like, I kept tweaking it and then uh, I came up with the the brief, the design of the artist Acon. And and that's this, this moment in which you have your time and it's only a short time, was it, was it 20 minutes? And in that time, you can run it in any way you want 
you know, workshop, um, just just whatever method. But it's a way that you're communicating some of the, the the spirit or the essence of the way that you create. Even the process of thinking about which three practices or acorns I would I would bring to this got me thinking about my own practice. It's like yes. if I'm going to choose three sessions of 20 minutes to share with people what would those three sessions be and why am I specifically choosing it and for what purpose so it really got me got me thinking about that well and yes exactly and that that was the point is is it's reflection on yourself on your own practice anytime you have to communicate something and we know this from you know working on our own project even putting together a pitch every time you have to communicate it to someone and, and simplify it down boil it down you have to understand it more for yourself. Mm. That was the whole point of the mm. of the whole residency was that you're developing the artist and the artist community as opposed to their projects. And that's not to denigrate project oriented ones because that's where that's where it came from. All my work mentoring at these sorts of labs, but it was to complement that approach. If if you create this environment and and you know all of these that and many other designs to allow people to to actually relax and be their best and um, not in the sense of best performance but just relax and be whatever they want to be because you weren't you didn't have to be on you know that you didn't have to like be able to explain things really well because everyone was there just to explore what surprised you most about this experience on reflection although this is what I've always hoped I'm continuously whenever I see everyone still in contact with each other. So when, when I see every, you know, each other commenting on each other's posts, really encouraging each other or they're doing collaborations together, there's yeah a real community and a real love for each other and respect. I think you are responsible largely, you and Lance are responsible for creating a, a, a space where we could be ourselves. And I love that quote that you have, that if you focus on the, the, the person, then you affect all of their projects. Yes. Can you expand on your thoughts around this? Yeah. The thing that I've come to is that a lot of the norms of creative practice are about creating objects, you know, creating things, and not necessarily how the creating of things is, is, is an expression of your beingness in this, on this planet sort of thing. I realised over time especially in my own practice and, and and working with other people as a mentor and things like that, is that if you're focusing on the outcome, the product, you don't have as fruitful, you know, creative process. And in fact, if you invest all your time into enjoying the process, like where the, the process is actually the most important part, then it's actually, it sort of does, doesn't even matter. It undermines, you know, the outcome. Mm. And you've got more of a chance of creating something that you believe in, but at the same time, it doesn't matter if it sort of doesn't work. So I'm not saying this is a a method for success. You know, it's like, yes, you'll definitely sell for millions via this. But when you do, you know it's selling, you know, because it's something that's true, rings true for you. And then a real expression of you. Yeah. The point is to enjoy the process. And then with that, it's like, well, isn't it all about actually who you are as a creative and the thought processes and what you're bringing to the projects in the end. What I've noticed in a lot of the labs that I was working on in which I'm speaking with creatives who are 
perhaps going through a paradigm shift of the way that they see their practice. Like they probably see themselves as just making one product and I'm part of the new mindset of like, well, actually you're making multiple Mm -hmm. things. Like your practice doesn't finish with one. So that's one paradigm shift. And another paradigm shift I'm usually working with creatives is interactive projects, you know, projects that change with the experience. And I realized that these are not paradigm shifts that are solely connected to the, the you know the actual product they're they're fundamental ways about how you view the world mm, that's beautifully articulated thank you yeah so and and that's and that's part of the the thing of like well okay well then it's it's about the person uh, and, and of course, the other edge to that is um, the person in the community, like how you feel, uh, creating an environment of reciprocal vulnerability. So you you feel okay to relax into yourself. A lot of the, the norms of practice at labs and and um, and elsewhere are about you know conforming to to quick moments in time and rushing and urgency. And I understand that I've done that with my own designs as well. It's like urgency means that they will just you know they won't think twice. They will get straight into it. But it's also pretty much a an artificial frankly capitalist infringement on being it doesn't recognize that maybe I need to step away for a moment Mm. you know that I can't actually be on all the time and so allowing that yeah facilitating that space where creativity and the pleasure of existing can happen yeah I mean that's that's Mm. super in line with you know, slow cooked. It's about appreciating the process and, you know, valuing the process. Because, you know, if we focus just on the end product, I think that we lose the the gift of the process and the gift of learning and changing and experimenting and, uh, you know, learning about ourselves even in that process. You know, our projects will reflect that and it goes kind of hand in hand. You are, you have such a wide ranging uh, experience and portfolio, really. You are a writer, designer, director, award-winning interactive projects and multi-art form projects. Why, and I guess how, were you drawn to this transmedia approach as opposed to focusing solely on one art form? Yeah, so for me, it was born out of listening to myself and my creative process. The term transmedia wasn't wasn't around at that point. I was at a point where I spent my first few professional years in the sense of paid um, doing theatre. And then I moved into being a producer in a digital effects company. So working on television commercials, really fast turnaround, you know, just like three days to come up with all the special effects, working on special effects for films, for feature films and that. And at the time <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to bring in CD-ROMs and websites and things. So I was doing all of that and then I was missing putting myself into the work. And so I then went back into acting and I did some TV acting. And then I just thought, oh, everyone else is like progressing with their career, but I seem to be zigzagging, you know. It's like, oh, I better get serious like, and, and just work in one. And I went back to writing, not that I chose that to be the thing, but that I needed, I, I needed writing to figure out myself. And I used that as a way of, I, I, I literally put different parts of myself into a room and had them talk with each other. And that was my story. And that was my way of decompartmentalizing all the different parts of myself. Wow, that's that. interesting and quite deep. <laughs> 
<laughs> Go deep. Yeah, it was it was funny because yeah, I had all these different personalities. You know how you sort of recreate or reimagine yourself. You know, it's like oh, you know, now I'm blonde. Now I do this. Now I do that. You know, now I now I work in digital. I don't work in theater. Um, you know, there are all these diff- very different parts of myself that I was exploring, and I put them yeah, put them all in the same room to to face each other. And through that process, I was then drawn into, I I was writing that as a screenplay, which is obviously, it was a terrible screenplay, but it was, um, I was writing it as a screenplay, but then I was drawn to digital again. And I thought, oh no, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just focus on one thing? And then I realized, no, that's my beauty. You know, why not create multiple forms? Why not acknowledge that I have a multiplicity? And maybe that's maybe that's my thing. And I don't mean my thing in terms of like, that's my selling point. I mean, that's my thing in terms of like, that rings true for me to actually make things that are intrinsically multi-art form. And as soon as I came to that point of like, no, this is a valid way to be because it's it's right for me. As soon as I made the decision, like that was it. It stayed with me and it, I've understood and, and got further and deeper into what that decision is. But that's that's where it came from. Does it feel less like a zigzag and more like a spiral now as you go around gaining information and then reapplying it to your different projects? Because surely it gives you greater insight having these different experiences and and insights from different industries and art forms yes exactly it's uh it's cumulative it's not corruptive I think a lot of people have the assumption and that's partly informed by you know the 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 seeds of wisdom of of um you know you have to do 10,000 hours like you have to in order to be good at anything you have to work at that one thing over and over again. And so people are afraid of, of doing something else. But there's also the industrial pressures of like, well, what are you then? You know, I need to I need to understand what you are. I need to put you in a pigeonhole. I need to understand what genre or what form and all of this, this disciplinary gatekeeping that people don't mm. realise they're doing. They think they're, they're helping the person be their best, but they're actually just imposing a way of being onto them. Gosh, I think the artists listening to this will totally relate to what you're saying. You know, the need (laughs) to be compartmentalized by people so that they can understand how to perceive you and how to see you. It can be such a damaging thing. Like I had to build my own confidence to be able to say, no, what you think of my my artistry is actually not affecting what I am and who I am as an artist. That was a big lesson. Yes, yes, exactly. Recognizing and valuing your own truth above others recognizing it. That's a key part of the process and being able to stick with it in that regard. Yeah. What what is your definition of an artist? Yeah, it's difficult because I think it is an individual thing. And I think for me, artist is a term that I'm I might use when I want people to understand that it's talking about a, a a way of being in which I or another person sees what they do as having meaning in the world. So it's sort of a a signal for that, a shorthand for that in that regard. But I try, I don't know, I try, you know, there are people in the world who love working on trains, for instance. I'm thinking about my dad. (laughs) I think he can still have these same amazing creative feelings. 
Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and still be speaking to the world and finding it meaningful in some way because he, he makes models and, and, and things like that. So I think this co-creative energy exists in many ways. It's just a case of like, well, my particular kind, you know, vibration, frequency, or, or just, you know, my, my shade of my color range of this particular co-creative thing means that I work in the zone that's usually framed by other people as being separate to the everyday, but it, it isn't. You're saying that you're the opposite of as people imagine. People sort of go, oh, well, art um, you know, there's all these these categories and terms for art. So it's a hedonistic product as opposed to a utility product. You know, there's the, the sort of mm. some of the technical terms. It's like it's not needed like water and gas. It's it's hedonistic. It's just for pleasure and everything. But we know <laughs> as, as artists, it's like, of course, it's a utility. Or like, let's let's change the framings. And that's what I mean. It's like I work in the area that people consider to be separate to what's necessary in the everyday. Oh, I (laughs) see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved something that you said recently. Um, It was part of the Guildhouse. It was Rituals of Online Artist Processes. It was a lecture that you were giving. Oh, you saw that, cool. Yeah, you said, we're not making a new world. Everything is already here and already connected. The shift is in recognising this. And something uh, you were talking about how we are already, if we tune into it, connected to this world. But the shift, you know, that we can have is in recognising this. And I wondered what role can artists play or do artists play in this shift of recognition? Yeah, I'll recognise first that, you know, a lot of those insights have come from the observations that a lot of the Indigenous communities of the world have been talking about, you know, they've sort of observed the separation culture that's often described in the sort of dominant societies where they see themselves as, you know, not being connected to the environment, to nature, or even to lots of different people. And so I recognize that, you know, part of that insight is about that reflection of like, oh, yes, you know, that's that's what is sort of happening. But there's often the discussion about being reconnected. And yeah, the thing that I came to was like, we've always been connected. Like, like the, 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 the planet is being destroyed because we're intrinsically, you know, linked. We're not isolated, you know, from each other. We're affecting each other all the time. We have to all address this to some degree in ourselves. We're walking around as if we're not connected and doing things as if we're not connected. And so it's about, yeah, getting back to that. And so, yeah, with that difficult question of like, yeah, what's the role of creative practice in that? I think, it, yeah, it is about one as an artist, as, a, as an individual, as a person, you actually make that connection yourself, which then mm. the overt process of doing that, for me, that has translated into actually looking at the creative processes and how they don't allow me, they thwart me in actually being connected with others. You know, they, they perpetuate the disconnection and also they result in stories and experiences that perpetuate it in other people too. I'll give an example. One of the things that I'm looking at with the narrative design work that I do is that people think about, okay, well, there's the plot and then there's, there's the character, you know, um, and there's the mechanics and there's the interactions there. When you have an environment, when you're de- depicting, for instance, characters in an environment, 
it's often it's like well this is the sort of the the background it's a set dressing it describes oh they're outside but Mm -hmm. there aren't moments where for instance the characters are actually responding you know to the the trees or you know that that they're actually they're they're transformation may involve you know actually learning with the environment you know learning from uh the animals that are around them and things like that and so that that's something that I'm you know reworking with my work and you know coming up with methods to help other creatives do that but it's just Mm. like well you know actually depict this you know in in your work and so that's that's an example there I think. Yeah, interesting. And I'm wondering for people who have never crossed this uh, subject before of reconnecting with the world and, you know, it's it's, it's quite easy to do, especially if you're brought up in a a city, I find is you can get quite in a bubble. Where, where can people learn more about this? Or what is there anything that you can share as like a, a starting point to help people to begin that process of connecting? with themselves for the benefit of I guess the world I'll, I'll talk about my own because yeah. I, I always I always get you know muddled in my head when I try and think about what other people need you know and I'm interested as well to hear from your perspective we're in your mind right now and in your process so yeah and so for me it was always there in part because um but it was a case of overtly recognizing the paradigm shift that was needed uh and for me that involved researching and finding out about how this sort of separation culture if you like has developed over time you know and how it's not it's not an individual creation mm. it's it's a cultural creation and it's something that is imbued in in all in all our practices like you know our, our, our creative practice it's everywhere and so this is where it's like the default it's it's easy to go into it so for me I find it helpful you know, if I know that this this is something that I that I you know want to work on, then I, I have a look at like how it happened and observing the way it operates. And then, of course, there's the actual. And I'm I'm turning to sort of look up my window at the trees now. It's uh, and then of course it's actually you know practicing the connection, which I've been learning more and more. So I, I've always been drawn to trees, you know. So I, I I go to trees and I put my hand on them and and spend some spend some time with trees. But um, I've been getting into gardening. So spending time with the garden, you know, more more plants around the house and spending the time with it with the care of them, recognizing that they're their own sovereign beings in their own way. And it's like, well, what what do I need to do? Mm. Um, and also taking on, you know, one of the things I've learned from indigenous wisdom is the whole idea of like, you know, someone uh, is that they're, they're caretakers of, of an area, and it's like you know this is this is the area that we that we you know take care of and or work with and support. And so now you know when I see uh, oh, there was a, a great feature film, um, Emu Runner, in which there was a young indigenous boy who was developing that connection again with his land. And mm. uh, and there was a moment in there where his friend was, you know, walking along and he just finished some chips and then he just threw the, the chip packet on the ground and, and, you know, the other one just picked it up because it's like this is his this is his home, you know, and, and, and it's like, no, take, you know, think about how, do, how does that, that trash 
then affect the area. The silly thing of like, what, you know, all these personal poisonous chemicals into the water, you know, all that sort of stuff. It actually affects Mm. things. And so now when I walk around, it's like, oh, you know, pick this up, do this. How is this going to affect the immediate environment there? So what's really important for me, I found when I'm changing, when I'm trying to fundamentally change my practices, is that it needs to be, it needs to be grounded in the everyday. It needs to be something that I change and, and just what I do every day as opposed to just a mental shift of like, I see things differently because unless it, it actually changes the way I do things, um, then it's, it, it, is, it isn't the fundamental change. It's the glimpse of the change. It's seeing it in the distance, but you're not actually it's the there. insight. Yeah, sure. you're, not, you're not bringing it into the present. And the thing that brings it into yeah. the present, I think, is the, the physicalization of it um, and the, the new habit. And that new habit will then open up new ones from that as well, you know, because it's a continuous mm-hmm. process of like, oh, what, then there's another peeling back, you know, of the layers that, that I'll get in that too. It reminds me of a reflection that I've been having recently that we ourselves are nature. We look after the, the planet and we're looking after ourselves. We pollute the planet, we pollute ourselves. It's, it's you know, it's, it's no wonder that this is um, something that, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking about because you're very aware of your situation and very uh, sensitive, I think, to the world around you. And I feel like, uh, and this might just be my ignorance, but when I speak with artists and people from Australia, there seems to be more awareness with you about your history and the respect for the indigenous tribes than I've noticed in in other countries. Like even the fact that at the beginning of the conversation, you take the awareness to you know the country and that you know this was founded and colonized is this something that you're taught in school or is this something that is specific to you being aware and conscious about your land yeah I think it certainly wasn't taught in school yeah we we were very much taught and and in some places this is still very much the case of like taught the the glorious, you know, sort of story of the discovery of Australia, you know, as opposed to the amazing tens of thousands of years of wisdom that's here and how, you know, we're part of the people who violently, you know, took took this over and continue to to keep that hold. We we read some books that like that about the rainbow snake and things like that in in primary school. But the impression that I always had was that it was long ago. It was a really long time ago that this culture mm. was like that, but in a, that, and that was that was actually um, a lie. It's only been a couple of hundred years here, right? It's really quickly. Wow! That suddenly, and I can just imagine. I, I well, there's no way I could fathom that the whiplash of the of the people here of having this life, and then in a couple of hundred years, there's concrete everywhere and buildings and and all of these structures and everything. It's, it happened very quickly. The power of storytelling. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I I see it as you know part of the way that I've described it in my book is like you know it's it's like there's all these sets around. I thought, oh yeah, it's just you know as soon as I sort of woke up and found myself here it's like oh this is the way life is and it's like no mm. they were just recent sets you know they're just they're just quickly been put up 
And so, yeah, more and more people are realizing that was a lie, um, that wasn't that um, that wasn't the case at all. And that's due to the continuous efforts from the First Nations people here. And I think in many different countries that like you see it in other countries and you're like, oh, hang on, what's happening here? I think the first step for some people, for a lot of people is, oh, what's happening in other countries? Um, and then and then it's like, oh, hang on, it's back to me like back to my own you know, environment. It's like it's other people who have to worry about this. It's like, no, 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 it's it's for me. I've got to worry about this. But, yeah, the, the continuous work that the, the First Peoples have been doing to protest, to do education, to write books about the history, the actual history, they've been doing so much work and it's all out there and available. And so more, more and more are basically like, oh, right. You know, it's it's not it's not secret knowledge in that sense. You know, of course, there mm. is right, secret knowledge, but the information information is there yeah. you just got to you know scratch past that that really thin layer and um it's all, mm. it's all there well this ties into i believe one of your key interests around going against complicity and transforming these behaviors is this how it became an interest for you it was a mix actually the the beginning point i'll, I'll just say i I talk about complicity because it's my way of signaling to people who are aware that they do things that they don't necessarily agree with. You know, it's like, oh, I, I've created this kind of scissor reel or I've done this sort of advertising campaign and I, I'm not, I don't really believe in it, but I've done it because, you know, I need to get this product out there. You know, there's all these decisions that we do all the time. It's like, oh, I worked with that client even though, you know, I don't believe in their, their product or I, I don't like these people, you know, it's a really toxic culture or something like that. Like there's these continual decisions that we make as creatives or just as, as human beings where it's like, ah, oh, there's, a, there's a, a difference between how I feel about it and what I actually do. And so complicity is my way of signaling to those people who are aware of that, that discontinuity. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm aware of the fact that I do things I don't you know, really want to, but it's, it's the way that the industry is structured. You know, I sort of have to, and, and, and all that sort of thing. And then of course, that's a gateway because then there's more things that you discover you didn't realize that you do, which actually do, you know, cause harm. So that's, that's why I use that. Cause it's like, I want, I want to signal to people who are already aware of that discontinuity as opposed to of like, no, it's just the way it, no, I like it. It's the way the world works, you know. Signaling so, because you you're trying to connect with these people. Is that that what the signals for? Yeah, because I'm not interested in persuading. Because I, I get asked to do talks. Um, I'm you know writing a book on this this subject. I do workshops. So on on top of my creative work, well, my I see it all as my creative work. But on you know on top of all that, I do I do that sort of education side of, of creative practice and I'm not interested in attracting people who don't care who are not interested who are technically what's called pre-contemplation you know it's like oh it's not it's not something for me you know um I'm not trying to convince them right I don't sure, that's sure, not sure. how change happens and the same with the, the creative projects I'm not trying to I, I create creative projects where people are cooperative, where people are working together, where people enjoy being with each other. So if someone wants one where they're competing and winning <laughs> against someone else and dominating them, you know, I'm not signal you know, I'm not gonna signal to for you to come to my project, you know. So in a way it's expectation management. 
you know, in that regard. So is this something that you you strive for in your creative process and with the, these projects that you create, bringing people together in a collaborative way? Yes, it's something that has changed with my practice over the years. The more and more I recognized the, the role of scripts and the role of forcing people into categories of being and and ways of saying things and ways of thinking, you know, that are the the ideal ways, you know, to sort of be in the world. Um, The scripts of like, you know, what it is to be a woman, the scripts of, you know, what it is to be, even, you know, what it is to be a man, toxic, you know, masculinity, you know, all that, all that sort of stuff. All, all of these, these, these scripts and ways of being, the more I realized how important it is for all of us to find our own words. And because it's like, not, you know, not just the concept, not just the idea, but I need to, 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 to bring this into all forms, it, it transformed my practice. Mm. And it was like, it's not about the words that I put into other people's mouths or it's about what they want to say and creating environments where they are actually encouraged, you know, to, it controls the wrong word, but yeah, where, you know, it is their uh, experience um, to, yeah, to, to create these environments where it's like, now, now practice <laughs> speaking for yourself you know, here, you know, in this, in this, uh, friendly, playful environment. So yeah, that was a, that was a switch for me. It's like, uh, I realized that a lot of the interactive projects, a lot of the games that are out there were about designing experiences where you're just assimilating, you know, you're just conforming to what's there. You've got three choices. That's it, you know? And it's like, but none of those choices you know, like none of those choices reflect. You sure, know, the ones what, you want to make. What, who, who, yeah, um, and the more I've actually, yeah, valued who I am as as a person, as a, you know, it sort of disentangled a lot of the um, the roles that are, and the, the ways of being that are imposed on me. The more I was, I, I couldn't do that on on this other people. So such a beautiful and I think honourable path that you are on to truly reflect. You're, well, you're working on your nature so that you can help share that and connect people and reflect that through your projects. And I think that if we were to line up the projects in retrospect and see uh, what you've done, I think we can almost see like the growth that you've had as a person because you've been so true to yourself through your projects. And I think that that's something that I really admire in you as an artist, that you, you do that. So, you know, thank you for... Oh for being so honest with yourself so that we can experience the gifts of your your process and practice. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you for saying that. What's great is that these sorts of projects mean that, you know, you get to make connections, you know, with wonderful creatives like yourself, who, you know, who then, who then you know, also are creating amazing things. You were signaling, Christy. You were signaling. I picked up the signal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, a, it's not a bat single signal, it's something else, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. from the first exercise that you did in Lamu when we were on the residency, uh, it said so much about who you are as a person. 
Um, can I yeah. share? It's can my I share favorite. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was the first day, and we were in our residency. Oh God, it was almost tropical and quite sandy built buildings. I remember the color palette being quite yellow and sandy, and I remember that we were gathered where we would eat our meals on that long table. It was around the that area, and we had only met each other in that one day, right? It was the first day that we'd all met each other. We'd flown in, got the boat, arrived. And something that we were asked to prepare is to bring an object that has some, has a story attached to it or has a a meaning for us. All of us brought this item and then Christy put it in um, a sack and we didn't see who brought what at this stage. And then they were randomly allocated on the table And we were given one minute, I think, to observe the items that were on there. And there was all kinds of different um, items, like, uh, you know, clearly different because everybody had their own attachment to them and were coming from different walks of life. And one person at a time would choose an item that resonated with them. And then we all chose those items. And then we would say why that item resonated with us. And then the person who placed the item or gave that gift, let's say, would explain why they brought it. And instantly, I I just knew that I was exactly where I needed to be at that moment in time in life, being in that place, having these forming this this deep grounded connection with these other artists in such a meaningful way and from the get-go learning something about the people who are there beyond what their name is and where they're from like you've got an insight into who they you know you know of all the things you could bring anything so why this item and um what you know what were you bringing what what is the the gift yeah i was like I, I got to taste your work and your approach. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I there, there's got to be more where this came from. And then we had the most <laughs> yeah, yeah. exquisite experience, life-changing experience. Um, that, that from that that trip, my my whole process as an artist kind of cracked and revealed itself to be something that I hadn't had before that trip. Uh, and I saw the impact that you have created, you and Lance had formed on a very, very deep level, um, showing how storytellers and artists can come together and really make an impact in their own way, in a, in a deep and meaningful way. So I will take this opportunity to say thank you so much for that experience, because it to this day, it resonates. And there are conversations that we had that took place on the beach or you know wherever we were in the residency and it just yeah it it changed something in me changed my DNA and yeah I thank you Christy really thank you (laughs) oh oh thank you for saying that that's it's yeah it's great to hear the effects you know it's like oh cool but but yeah it it the way I I sort of see the situations now is like it met you. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't that this design did it to you. It was like you were already doing a whole lot of work and and this work that I had created met you. 
you know, and it was at that time where it's like, ah, yes, we meet. So those sorts of experiences can't happen just by putting it on the person. You know, the person needs to be, have done work, you know, themselves to get to that point. So I'm reflecting back is the wrong word, but basically saying, yeah, you, you, you know, well, thank you for the thanks, but also, you know, you did the work too, you know, for, for that, you know, to enable that, that experience to happen. I love that little exercise. Yeah. As, as well. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. It's basically you're invited to bring something small because people are traveling, you know, they can't. <laughs> yeah. From a practical <laughs> you know, perspective. People are tra- they don't have much room. So yeah, it has to be small, something that you've got a little a story behind it, but you're willing to give to a stranger, you know, let go to a stranger. Mm-hmm. So it was important that it's not something that you, you know, it's like I'll only let it go if it goes to this person or something like that. It needs to be something that you're just willing to let go. You yeah. don't you don't know who it goes to. So that, that's an important part of the thinking. And, yeah, and making sure that people don't know who brought what. <laughs> so it's like quickly, you know, putting, some, putting all the things into a bag and then um, laying them out on the ground and, and basically just like saying, okay, circle around and see what you're drawn to and trying to, and with that, you know, it's not like, oh, you know, I'll, I want to grab the cool looking thing. It's like, no, what are you drawn mm-hmm. to? You know, whatever that is. And often there are things that you have no idea what they are, <laughs> you know, because, you, know, you know, it's like, what? You know, there's strange objects or they're inside something. Mm-hmm. So you don't know, you know, it's not, it's not like you can look yeah, into it. Yeah. So you really have to, you know, and that's an important part of a lot of my designs of like, you know, just draw on, yeah, you're not, you know, you can't, you can't have a strategy. You know, it's, yeah, you, you've basically got to go to what you're drawn to. And then, yeah, you pick it up. And then people, it's like, when you're ready, say, you know, what drew you to this thing? And and that's, it's wonderful because then, yeah, you get an insight into where their mind is going and what, and sometimes what they think it is, because sometimes it's not clear what it is. And that's wonderful for the person who, who brought it to here, because it's like, oh, and there's often a, a crazy uncanniness to the story. Right. It's like they're actually, oh, it's freaky, you know. Yeah, the person says, oh, this and this, and then the, and then it's like, well, yes. It's like, like the power of the this intention. Is actually, it was yeah. manifested. Yeah, uh, we, we noticed yeah. that, right? It's like the, the parallels between yeah. why someone put it down and why someone picked it up were very similar. Yeah. And and those two people then had an immediate totally. connection. Yeah. But as you, but as you say, and, and that that does not go. You know that does not leave. Um, and but then of course you're you're seeing everyone, you're hearing everyone else's stories, which is a way, as you say, of beyond what's your name and where you're from. You suddenly, you're you're suddenly getting uh, you know an insight. It's a mini moment. It's the, f- I guess it's people's. Many transformation sounds cheesy, but it, it is a, f- a first sort of moment, and and I guess we're all witnessing mm. that, you know, which is part of the beauty of it too. It's like, oh, reciprocal vulnerability is an important part of the design I found, and 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 making that a choice. Um, but yeah, I know I just realised it's part of that is that witnessing of like, oh, someone's having a moment, you know, we're we're all witnessing uh, each other's mini yeah. moments. Uh, this interweb um, of connectivity and. Yeah, a vulnerability, as you said, because you're sharing part of yourself. Out of all Mm. of the different art forms and artistic practices that you have, do you have a (laughs) favourite? 
you know, in a general sense, I'm definitely leaning more towards interactive than not interactive. But, Meaning interactive uh, games that. and interactive. Well, interactive projects in general, yeah. But I, I say that, I mean, at the moment I'm writing a book, which is technically the least interactive sort of thing that you can have. But but at the same time, I'm taking all of my sensibilities to that and writing it in a way, this, this is where like the cumulative insight is, you know, is really important for me. Um, I'm writing it in a way that it's really about your interpretive work. You know, it's like you can take this in any way. It's a book form, but it's not indoctrination. It's basically, look, here's this, maybe this, maybe this, you know, oh, prompt here, prompt there, you know, what about this? And, and so it's basically, it's there for you to sort of like, oh, this bit, oh, you know, I'll think about this thing. And so it is designed for there to be that conversation and that prompt, you know, in, in the person's world. I do love tangible. So I'm working on a card mm-hmm. game at the moment and I love, you know, it's like having having things to touch. But even in my, I'm working on a VR experience at the moment and, and that involves being with other people and talking with them at the same time. It's a cooperative one. So there's always that interactions that's social, but the tangible in some way, yeah, it's difficult. I, 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 I couldn't say, well, this is the best or this is, you know, uh, I'll always do this because, yeah, I'm, I'm working in different forms virtually every year and that will change. I will say what is an art form that I am in awe of, uh, you know, in, in some regard. And I'll say that that's, that's music. I'm not a musician unfortunately, but I'm in awe of what music does. Um, this repeatedly gets brought uh, up in our conversations through this podcast <laughs> and, you know, with non-musicians yeah. too. It, I think yeah. we can't deny the power of music and the effects that yeah. it, it has on us and the ability it has to connect us and unite us regardless of our situation or, or language. Yeah, exactly. And so, and and the, and I think that's the the lodestar, if you like, for creative practice in terms of um, what is it doing? What's music, you know, doing? As some of the things that you've listed there, um, and uh, you know, and a lot of the other practices are about getting closer, you know, to what music is able to do already. You know, peeling back. Those, th- those needs for a particular mm. language, you know, the needs for things that are, are locked and things that uh, communicate in other ways, yeah. Christy, <laughs> final question that I ask all of the guests here on the Slow Cook podcast. If you could step inside the mind of another artist for a day, who would it be and what would you specifically like to explore whilst you were there? For me, one of the things is that I've spent a long time thinking about how other people see things and see the world. So for me in my life at the moment, what rings true for me is actually spending more time in understanding the nooks and crannies of my own mind, Mm -hmm. you know, in that Mm -hmm. regard. And it's not that I can't, you know, it's not that I can't learn anything from anyone else, not at all. I can't necessarily recognize the difference in others unless I recognize the difference in myself. Right? Mm. If I'm just operating, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just, you know, operating just like anyone else does according to, you know, the, how I'm told to 
to be as a as a creative, as a woman, you know, as a as a white person, all that sort of stuff. Um, I unpack all that, and the more that I actually get rid of those scripts, then the more I'm actually able to see someone else for who they are. Mm. Um, you know, beyond the the shades, the blinders that st- you know stop me seeing them. So, are you regard. saying that you would step into your own mind? Would it be in the future or the past? Oh, yeah, I guess the f- the future, because I do a lot of sort of going back to my past already um, and sort of looking at how I used to see things as best I can or, you know, or in my writing, my the traces of myself. But, yeah, the future, because it would be like, oh, you know, it, I'm sure it would be a, what's called a disorienting moment of like, what, what's that, you know, like I don't recognise that way of thinking, you know, or something, and and that would... And that would be a spark for transformation. Ooh, I, think. I love that yeah. answer. Love it. That's <laughs> one of the most original answers we've had so far. I, I, I love that. Oh, that's really beautiful. Christy, Dr. Christy Dina, I should say. You do have a PhD in transmedia practice. So I should say Dr. Christy Dina. Thank you so much for sharing the space with me here and for letting us explore your creative practice and artistic process. It's been a delight. Well, thank you for inviting me and for, you know, being um, being interested and in, in, uh, talking about this. And I, I feel bad now because I didn't, I didn't hear as much about yours, um, you know, in that. But I guess, you know, we got to, to know each other more through the conversation. We met each other. Um, we met yeah. each other. <laughs> no I I love it and I'm so excited to you know be following your journey and seeing where you're going with your own practice and thought processes and you know I'm I'm excited for you thank you again so much I really value your time thank you thank you very much And that was our penultimate episode of season one. What have been your thoughts on the series? Have you been enjoying them? What has been your favourite episode length? Who's been your favourite artist? What revelations have you had in your own artistic process? Get in touch at slowcooked underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you Wild Camp for the original soundtrack and to Clever Almeida for the poster artwork. This is brought to you by Slow Cook Productions and I am your host, Louise Salter, and I'll be back next week for the final episode of season one. <laughs>